Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug and I'm here with another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. Can you believe we are all ready to episode 70? Guys, this season has been absolutely phenomenal and this episode brings nothing less but awesomeness. In this episode, we talk with Steve Isaacs. Steve Isaacs is an amazing educator who not only is teaching game design and coding and everything else under the sun in his amazing elective course, but he also runs Mindfair, and he does a ton of other things in terms of esports and building community and things like that. So even if you don't know what esports is, maybe even if you're not into in video games, please don't shy away from this episode because it's the underlying message that's so vital to what we need to hear. The idea of not judging others because they do things differently than us. Being able to get outside our comfort zones. And, and really what I think is at the essence of everything that Steve does that he doesn't really say or acknowledge, and maybe just for a lot of things, he just doesn't give himself enough credit because I find him simply phenomenal in the outreach that he does, is this. He works tirelessly to create community, not just in a classroom, but in a city, and now with Mindfair across the nation and in other countries. And so I hope you really enjoy this episode. Check out the links and all the things that he has shared and provided. I put all the links in the show notes and, and references to all the things that he talks about. And if nothing else, challenge your own thinking by diving into the Discord. Dive into some of these things that he talks about and uh, see what you find out. You just might find yourself falling in love with a new interest, passion, or hobby. All right, guys. Enjoy. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like happy for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug here with another episode of Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am here with another just outstanding educator that I feel so blessed to have an opportunity to chat with. And so before we dive into the 80 million things that this guy is doing, mm-hmm. um, we're just going to jump in and we'll, we'll, we'll let Steve, well, why don't we just jump in and just let you introduce yourself, let everybody know kind of who you are, what you do, and uh, all that good stuff. Sure. Um, thanks, Aaron. So, yeah, my name is Steve Isaacs. Uh, currently, I teach game design and development at a middle school in New Jersey. Um, and I also do, you know, quite a bit with uh, virtual reality and, you know, with a goal of primarily students creating content for VR because it goes right hand in hand with the game design stuff. And uh, another huge area of interest for me right now is esports and that whole, um, you know, ecosystem and really building opportunities for kids from K-12 through college. Uh, And then, you know, another big piece of my story is that I do a lot with Minecraft in the classroom and also produce a show called Mindfair, which is a massive Minecraft fan experience, essentially, you know, a a community event. It's the uh, only North American, uh, it's the only official Minecraft community event in North America. And we've been traveling from city to city, uh, putting on a pretty awesome, you know, show for the many, many Minecraft fans out there. 
Yeah, and I, there's just so much there that I want to dive into in uh, the, this conversation. I just know uh, I got a chance to connect with you for a brief moment. You were very busy at Mindfair in Denver. I had opportunity to um, get my feet wet with the first Mindfair, and holy cow, yeah. what a what an experience! I mean, I, I mean, I know that people love Minecraft, but when you get to that Mindfair, like that is that is a dedicated, passionate bunch of kids and families and adults and YouTubers and everything under the sun. And yeah. What an incredible, um, I guess it's a, a whole interactive experience really that, that, that you guys have been able to put together. It's just so cool to see the education learning as well as like the social networking community and just people who just love the game for fun. Uh, man, my eyes were really wide open when I was able to uh, finally experience one. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to make it. That it's def- I always love when um, when educator friends can make it to the event because it's one of those things I try to explain sometimes, and and a lot of it gets lost in translation until you're kind of there. Because it is, it's it's a community event. It brings the whole Minecraft community together, and it's a pretty powerful um, thing when you think of how much has spun off of, you know, this <laughs> what yeah. started as seeming like a little game. Yeah, absolutely. And so if, if we can take a couple steps back, I want to make sure we get back and yeah. talk about the esports and the VR and what you're doing in the classroom with game design because I, there, that's it's uh, you're, you're you're so cutting edge right now. But for those listening that sit there and hear these things and maybe they don't even know what they are or they sit there and go, oh my gosh, like how do you even do that? Like take it back a little bit here. Yeah. Like how did you even get started? And the reason I asked this question is I had a great conversation with my son who's in eighth grade and he's been asking me a lot about like, when should I know what I want to do with my life? Mm. And, and I've just kind of had this like parenting educator eye opening moment. I'm like, you know, you'll, you'll just know. And so now I'm, I'm curious now these last couple of people I've talked to, like, how did you get involved? Like when you knew you wanted to be involved in education, you know, and, and then from there we can kind of move into your progression of, all this awesome stuff that you're doing now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because really the education thing was, was a pure accident. I think, um, I thought I was going to college for psychology. I I was pretty certain I wanted to be a a therapist and a psychologist, you know, all. Um, and then when I was in college, I actually started working. Um, it's funny when I was in high school, actually, this goes way back when I was in high school. Um, I volunteered at a psychiatric hospital one night a week, and it was quite an eye-opening experience. I, I was at this point where I just wanted to do something that was volunteer-oriented, and it was kind of funny because I even I reached out to the local regular hospital just to see if they had anything where it was like you could come in and visit with the patients and kind of, you know, just I figured patients, you know, would want just somebody to talk to kind of thing. Well, at a regular hospital, the only volunteer opportunities they really had were like coming in and mopping the floor and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So, you know, in the least ex- least you know obvious place, you know, somehow I either found out or looked into this psychiatric hospital, and there they welcomed volunteers with open arms, and it was a very, very interesting, um, you know, situation. And I mean, like I would go and we'd like throw a party for the people that lived in the certain cottage. It was an inpatient facility. And then I'd stick around and we'd play cards and things like that, you know, and, you know, it was just amazing, you know, talking to, I mean, very, gosh, fascinating people with, you know, such a variety of of issues, unfortunately. Um, So when I was there, the, they, a lot of the people that were leaving would go into something called a group home. So my whole context of this group home was people with mental illness going and living in the community. So 
in college, I'm looking for a part-time job and I see something about a group home, you know, position. And I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, I like that experience. So maybe I'll give this a try. Well, it ended up being without me really understanding the terminology. It was a group home for adults with developmental disabilities. Mm -hmm. So it was, um, very different experience and it was helping, you know, these adults with, you know, a variety with like down syndrome and other, um, you know, developmental disabilities with life skills. And I absolutely fell in love with this position and with working in this environment and whatnot. So as I'm going along in my, with my psychology degree, somebody suggests, Oh, maybe you should just, you know, look at the special education program here at Rutgers and, you know, who knows, maybe it would at least be something to fall back on, you know, cause you'll get certified and whatever. So I did that. And before I knew it, um, you know, graduating college and applying for jobs as a special education teacher and got my first job in uh, Montclair, New Jersey, working with uh, kids with developmental disabilities in a self-contained class that happened to be housed in a science and technology magnet school oh, in the wow. district. Yeah. So, but, you know, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, the the students I taught were not placed in that building because it was the science and technology magnet school. They were placed in that building because that's where there was space. <laughs> right. um, but the fortunate part was that we had a lot of great resources. And I was, you know, so here I am a first year, you know, second year, first, second year teacher. And I'm like, you know, let me take advantage of this the best I can with my students. So, you know, I, I was always into technology. Um, in fact, you know, when you were asking about your son and, you know, when you knew kind of thing, I mean, I was, I was, you know, the kid who had his Apple II Plus computer, you know, in the dining room and, and played with it all the time and was just fascinated by every facet of it and collecting games and all those things. But I never thought that was a career path, nor I think did my parents. But anyway, in this school, I'm like, let me use this environment as best I can to support these kids. So then I start finding all these great ways to in integrate technology um, and individualize instruction before I even knew there was such a term. But you do that for kids with special needs anyway. I mean, that's kind of part and parcel. Right. Um, right. So anyway, so I'm, I'm doing that. And then um, soon after I start, this uh, guy, Paul Tarantiles, comes in as our new technology director. And we become friends. And we'll, you know, we're sitting at lunch every day talking about interesting ideas for using technology and this and that. And before I know it, um, he and his wife, my wife and myself, um, start talking about opening a business and we open a, a computer training facility, um, in a little town of Liberty corner, which is part of Basking Ridge where I teach now. And the idea there was to offer summer camps and eventually grow it to like after school programs and training for adults and such and all this so you know so then there's that so i'm teaching and we're opening this business and we're starting to have this great opportunity to do like unique i think unique programming because people are paying to come so i'm not bound by a school's curriculum as to what we can offer sure so we're offering things like web design and and area like uh game design and then we're also in our summer camps we're starting to sprinkle in the use of games in these camps mainly with this idea like hey if we um offer you know if we create a 
uh, uh, camp around the game of Age of Empires and have kids doing some research on different civilizations and then play through as part of the camp, you know, kids are going to love it. Parents are going to love it. So, I mean, this is going back more than 20 years ago. So we're like, you know, kind of, you know, stumbling upon game-based learning without knowing, you know, that, that, that it was a thing. Sure. And, you know, that started to grow. And then before we knew it, we offered, um, we, it was funny, early on, we were open on Friday and Saturday nights as an internet cafe, because that was like kind of the thing back then. Um, but we were in this tiny town that had no, no real market for an internet cafe. So my wife and I would sit there Friday and Saturday nights and sip coffee and surf the internet <laughs> and you know, maybe with one customer. So, uh, and then all of a sudden we decide like, okay, so if kids miss one of our after school classes, why don't we offer them the opportunity to come in at night at night and like, you know, play or use the internet or whatever. So before we know it, the place is filling up every Friday and Saturday night with kids now having a place to come and call their second home to play games with each other on our network. And that was eye opening, you know, so all this, you know, it all starts to lead towards the same, you know, things like if you, if you follow the progression, it's like, it's all kind of leads me to where I think I ended up, you know, now. Um, and then I, so then, you know, I, I decided I want to teach technology courses. So I apply to the middle school in the town where our business is and get hired to teach a variety of technology electives and cycle courses and such. And then, um, and this is, this is one of those great things, cause it, you know, in terms of, you know, you were saying like often people don't know how to get started yeah, with some of yeah. these ideas. Well, you know, early on I decided let's do this after school program. You know, we did all this game design stuff and it was successful at our business why not offer an after-school game design club? And that was real popular. And, you know, again, it's like one of those kind of low stakes entry points. Like nobody's going to really give you too much grief about an after-school program that might have academic, <laughs> you know, potential. Sure. Um, so, so that's going. And then I get asked to teach um, one of the gifted and talented classes, which has very flexible curriculum. So there I say, ooh, let me sneak in some game design, and we do a unit on board game design and then digital game design. And as it starts to prove effective, I decide to pitch the idea of creating a full game design and development elective for our eighth graders. And fortunately for me, my supervisor was immediately on board. I mean, he happens to be a gamer, and he gets it, you know, Um and then we had to pitch to my principal, who is not a gamer at all. And I continue to give her great credit because um, her name's Karen Hudock, and she's my current principal still. And her kind of take on it was, well, if this is something that's going to be exciting and interesting for kids and have this academic potential, and it's an elective, you know, let's 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 offer it. And it quickly became one of our most popular electives. So now, you know, every section of it that I could teach fills up, which is nice because in a middle school, a lot of times you're teaching many different courses in order to fill your course load. Right. Um, so this started to become just this great thing where, you know, I was able to teach pretty much exclusively that. And then as time goes on, you know, my philosophy on education evolves and I start 
really getting into, you know, giving kids choice in the learning environment. And, you know, then in terms of the, the, you know, the VR piece, um, an opportunity arose about maybe four years ago to be part of some virtual reality and education research. So I, you know, applied to be part of that and that grew that part of the program. So, you know, it's really con- continually a work in progress, but, uh, you know, it's super exciting to have had this opportunity to kind of create my, <laughs> my dream job, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, been, been awesome. And, and I, I'm just grateful for the support I've had and also for the opportunities it's created for kids. I mean, that's just, what a journey. And that's so exciting. The fact that you get the, I love that how you said you'd be able to create your dream job. And I think there's so many of us that listening in there go, Oh my gosh, that would be great. You know? And, and even if we're not into Minecraft or gaming, like so many of us have these opportunities, whatever our passion is really, we, we do have a dream job, whether we're, we're in the history or language arts, whatever that, that might be. And yeah. um, I think that that's a really good mindset to have. And so as your, your course hasn't changed, so to speak, but maybe the, the platform, the tools that you're using has changed as we now, as you talked about developing a virtual reality and you're looking at esports and this and that, mm-hmm. um, you know, like what have been some of the of, of the big benefits that you've seen come out of student mm-hmm. learning with that? Because I think there's there's people that I mean, I don't know too many people who disagree with the idea of, of, of pushing the envelope with all these things that are happening. But it's is the risk kind of worth the reward in an educational setting? So I, I don't really come across too many that are anti these things, but they're not. Right going to take the nudge to, you know, like your supervisor or, or, or your building admin that allowed you to go forth and do. And so someone that, that's in that situation, or maybe they don't quite have that support and they're trying to make it happen. Um, what have been some experience that you've had that you go, oh my gosh, and this has been like the light bulb moment for kids and for your school, that, like, like why this needs to continue to be somehow infused within a school day for students? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And so on one hand, um, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, I'm speaking from the game design lens. I, I sure. totally agree with what you're saying, though. Any area that you're passionate about, there you can create what you're looking for um, in terms of making, you know, creating that job. I, I think too many people feel totally constrained by curriculum and, and things. And, and granted, I understand I teach an elective, so it's easy for some people to say, oh, well, you teach an elective, so you have that maybe autonomy. But not everybody, you know, but you kind of, I mean, that's possible, I think, in all areas with a little bit of um, creativity. But the um, some of the aha things, first off, I mean, the game industry is growing tremendously. So I feel like I've been able to catch, in a sense, this wave where it's like, hey, this industry is now rivaling the movie industry, right? And in the movie industry, there are so many different roles for people. And you know, so many different paths they could take educationally to end up there. In game design, it's similar. So in my my feeling in my course is I'm not teaching necessarily everyone to code or what have you. I'm giving kids opportunities to be part of like a design team that could emulate a real world situation. So they're getting opportunities to see what kind of roles are out there. So on one hand, it's, you know, we're talking, you know, I'm surprised there aren't more programs like it because we're really talking about the potential in terms of career readiness, which we talk about a lot. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Then some of the just unique opportunities that have just blown me away are things like, um, you know, I've used uh, 20% time or passion projects as a big part of my course. And 
one year I had a kid, um, Brian Christian, who started to um, really take to one of the tools we use is called Game Maker Studio. And because I teach eighth grade, most kids are going to be using it's this drag and drop interface, which is still very much emulating all the coding principles. But there is a deep coding language behind it that sometimes a kid will get into and say, hey, I'm going to learn this language because it's going to help me do more in my game. Well, this kid, Brian, went to town and just, you know, totally um, decided he was going to, you know, learn this language and, and use it exclusively to create his game. So then I got a, I, I was contacted by a publisher, by uh, Pact Publishing, and they were asking, they knew I used GameMaker a lot, and I was, you know, known to be using that to teach game design to kids. And they asked me if I would write a book on this programming language, GameMaker language. And my initial response was, oh, wait, you know, I'm not equipped to do that. Um, so I almost just said, oh, sorry, you know, I really can't. And then I thought about it, and I said, you know, if you're open to me co-writing this book with this eighth grade kid, I'd be up for it for sure. But you have to understand he's going to be doing the lion's share of the writing. I'll support the, the process. I'll edit the book and all that. But, you know, this kid, you know, knows his stuff and they were open to that. So over the course of the next like six months, um, Brian and I wrote really Brian wrote this book with my support. And by the time he was early in his freshman year in high school, the following year at the age of about 15, he has this, you know, full technical book on teaching game maker sure. language that's available, you know, on Amazon and everywhere, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm thinking, wow, I'm 47 years old and this is my first, <laughs> you know, published book. So when you can give kids experiences like that, and I've seen it over and over with kids publishing a game, or I had um, a kid this year who did really, really well in my class. And he was one of those kids that wasn't, you know, that motivated in a lot of his other classes. And he just, you know, tore up what he was doing in my class. And he ended up having an opportunity to come out to our Los Angeles Mind Fair show and do a few, you know, sessions like workshops and stage presentations about creating his game. And then at our New Jersey show, he and his partner showcased their game in the independent game zone, you know, among professional game designers and things. So, you know, my feeling is when you get, you know, and it doesn't happen all the time and it doesn't have to happen all the time, but when you get some of those opportunities where a kid can just completely, you know, get out there and do something so real and so authentic in because they were so passionate about it, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, you know, it's not like I'm a language arts teacher saying, okay, everybody's going to write and publish a book, which would be a great idea too. But in this case, it was like drawing on their passion and saying, you know, let me, let's see how far you go with this, you know? Um, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff that I see. And, you know, I have kids um, working on VR stuff using Unity, which I do not claim to know, you know, very well. Right. So it becomes a thing that I'm saying, I'll support you. But you know, if you're going to choose to use Unity, you're going to be learning a lot on your own. And the best I could maybe do is support them by, you know, finding them a mentor. So in this one case this past year, I found a Unity game developer that was willing to work with kids. And this team of three created this, you know, we're able to develop this relationship with this developer where when they had questions, they had somebody to go to. So 
you know, I, I, I think there's so much to learn about education and about not owning the knowledge, but, but sort of facilitating the process with kids that is so powerful. And those have been the biggest aha moments for me is when I've learned that I can step back, that I don't have to be the expert, you know, but yet I can sit there and a lot of times learn with and from my kids or so often what will happen is one kid will do something amazing in one class and I'll be able to show that to the other classes, you know, of course, giving this kid full credit, but saying, wow, you know, this is something, you know, like in Minecraft, it happens all the time. Like I had um, a, a kid who, again, it's always the kid who's like, you, you luckily <laughs> when you're open to what's possible, um, you get to let go of some of those, you know, preconceptions. Cause he was, he was kind of a, you know, he wasn't seeming like your most studious kid by any means, but uh, I learned how smart he was. And what he did was he, one of the things we try to do a lot is automate games in Minecraft. And what he came up with, which from a, a, you know, from a theoretical standpoint, I should know and understand, or I do understand it, but I never thought of it in this way. What he did was he created a mini game and he used the clone command in Minecraft to clone what he had done so that any time a kid steps on a pressure blade at the beginning of the game, it clones an exact, you know, the, the full, you know, game backwards supposed to be starting. So it resets it every time. And oh. from an automation standpoint, this was brilliant. And again, it was like, I, in theory, after he did it, I get what he did, but it was like, he thought to do it. And right. then I get to show all the other classes, you know, and, and and brag about this kid you know and that kind of thing that's awesome yeah that's just it's so cool and i think the the key there is you sharing those stories and i'm just like that's so like i, I just want to be a student in, in your class to have that opportunity to figure out what it is that i how i want to use my skills within the framework of the course and i think the the key there is you know the that that mindset that you have of being able to admit, like, I don't know all this, but I'm willing to help you. And I know we hear that time and time again in all the things that we read or listen to, but it's still so hard for so many of us to, to, to let that go and to realize that it's okay. Like, I mean, I think there's, there's like this, this great, like catch 22 in education where there's so much pressure on educators to be at their top of their game all the time that sometimes I feel like it kind of goes against the notion of being able to say, Hey, I don't know how to do that, but let's figure it out right. together, you know? And so when, as, as you share those stories, I think it's such a good reminder of, you know, the magic can happen if we just sometimes just get out of the way for a little yes. bit, you know, it doesn't mean that we're not doing our job, but we're allowing right. that, that, you know, like you said, that, that kid that was very brilliant and smart, just trying to figure out a way for him to utilize that because something wasn't working with him early on, you know, and now all of a sudden here he is doing this, this, this amazing stuff in Minecraft and, um, that's that. That's so great to hear. I yeah. want to. I want to talk a little bit. I want to be respectful of your time too. You mentioned esports, and so this is mm -hmm. something. Uh, talking about the idea of of admitting, I don't know. I'm very fascinated by it. Um, my son plays video. He would probably play twenty hours a day if I would let him. Right. Um, 
and I'm 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 constantly I hear more about it. I know like uh, Don Wetrick in Indiana had a had mm-hmm. a student that created a, a esports company through his innovation lab, and I keep and I'm watching the stats, and I'm I'm yeah. jumping onto Twitch, and I'm watching things, and I'm I'm trying to get immersed in that. So what's what, what's some of your work that you're doing in that? Because I think this is something that as it seems like every day I'm reading a headline where there's another university that's now yep. offering scholarships for esports, and the numbers are alarming. I'm going, I need to somehow figure this out where I live. Right. But it's that, yeah. that same kind of thing of like, oh my gosh, like what exactly is it? Um, yeah, so well, go ahead and dump it in there a little bit. Yeah, thanks for asking because so it's another thing that again, you know, I, I don't um, I don't claim to be be the pro. What what I'm excited about is I really like to build communities and and you know Twitter and and our PLNs have been tremendous for that. Um, so as so my goal was like I'm like I see all these scholarship you know, articles, right? And you hear these statistics like the League of Legends um, finals in 2017, I think it was, had greater viewership than the seventh game of the NBA finals and I think even the World Series clincher. Um, so, you know, we see sports as that. We, we it, You know, seeing video games now as having that potential, you know, has to open our eyes to what's what's possible. And again, it's another industry thing. Like, if this industry is so big, we need to be part of it. We need to get our kids to be part of it. If kids are getting scholarships to play esports, it finally helps us legitimize it. But the reality is we have a lot of kids playing games, a lot that are really good in competing from home. And then we have a lot that are very casual. And and esports, you know, the actual playing part is just like a, a sport. You know, like quite honestly, I'm not – I love video games. I'm much more of a casual player myself, but I can be a fan of the big stuff. But the players that are at that level, you know, it's kind of like the kid that, you know, is going to be recruited for, you know, the high school, you know, quarterback position or what have you. I mean, they're, you know, it's it's this level of skill that's really impressive and, and um, involves great thinking, great strategy, so much behind it that I think we need to. And, and, and these kids often are not really honored for this passion. And, and, and even up until recently, I would say devalued, you know, like, oh, they're just playing games all the time. Well, there's a lot more to it. In fact, when you start to see the money behind it, that certainly yeah. helps. But um, so my goal was like, you know, if these scholarships are happening, let's start building a community that provides opportunities for kids in the lower grades, you know, I teach middle school, so I've always wanted to be there, middle school and high school, especially, and lower. But, um, you know, like you have Little League for baseball, why not have a feeder in third grade for esports? But let's build, let's grow that, you know, to, to the college area. And it's all happening. I mean, I'm only trying to help bring pieces of it together. So one thing we did is we created a, a, a Twitter chat called Esports EDU. And we're holding that chat every Thursday night at 7.30. And the goal there is to basically just bring the community together to chat, you know, to talk and to bring people together and build those relationships. And it's just a half-hour chat. Uh, but what we also started was a Discord channel called Esports EDU. And the Twitter, the Discord channel or the Discord server is getting a lot of, you know, traction and a lot of people are – are finding their way into it and, and rich, rich discussions about what's happening. And the best way for any of us to, to get started is to find other people who can help us. I mean, if we were all to sit here and try to start it 
on our own. I mean, talk about reinventing the wheel. So this community is providing great support. And there are a couple of organizations like the North American Scholastic Esports Federation, NASEF. I'm super impressed with what they're doing. They started in Orange County, created a big high school league just in Orange County last year as a pilot, and are now expanding you know, across North America, um, including Canada and Mexico, um, to provide support services to help people get started. So there's plenty of resources. There's also groups like Connected Camps. So <laughs> UC Irvine is just doing amazing things around esports, in my opinion. And they um, are also tied in with Connected Camps through Mimi Ido and Katie Salen and company. And they're providing uh, an infrastructure for coaching that that allows for remote coaching. So they'll hire coaches that can work with schools all around. And I think that's tremendously important because we're at this weird point with esports where you don't have the teachers that, you know, like for football, you have teachers that played football all through their life <laughs> and now are equipped to coach, right? That's a good point. Um, yeah. Yeah. But esports, it's like, again, I could maybe manage a program, but I'm not the one to coach you in how to expertly play these games. So the fact that they're tapping into, you know, existing, you know, the younger crowd of the, the esports kids that are moving up to to get coaching um, support. I mean, they're really doing a lot of things, you know, very right. So it's neat to see and to be able to connect some of those dots and uh, and see what we can do to, to build that. I, I, ju- I just think when you know, with the, the the numbers are starting to really speak for themselves. And I, and I think, you know, what we can, you know, again, it comes down to honoring kids' passions too, right? Like when we can take the kid, like my my vision is that you have an esports competition at a school and you fill, you know, whether it be the auditorium or something with people able to spectate and give it the same attention, you know, that the, the high school football or soccer, you know, team or basketball team gets because I think people would be interested in watching. So yeah. I'm excited to see where we go with that. Yeah, I was just reading or maybe I was listening to something I can't remember. And they're talking about like the quarterfinals for it might have been League of Legends. And like they sold out Madison Square Garden yes. like, solid for like two weeks, you know, wow. and I'm just going, you can't you can't argue the the, right. the attraction. And I was I was joking with my son, but somewhat not joking, I said, we're going to remodel my basement and we're going to yeah. make this like, like, like the e-sports hub, like, awesome. because I'm, I, I coach sports, I coach my kids teams and, you know, to stay active with them. And there's so many kids that just are finding different pathways. And I'm like, but I know all like your buddy, like you network, like your, your, your gaming is your social network. Like it's not just about a video game. Like he's, he has his headset on and he's constantly talking with his kid, with his friends and they're building out strategies and they're, you know, they're watching the YouTube videos and this is just for pleasure. Not, you know, and the esports, you you could, you know, you don't have to, you could take it to that whole nother level where I've heard, you know, where they've got like fitness coaches and, you know, the whiteboards for the strategy. And, and and I'm just going, I, I just think it's like, I want to be part of it. Like, and, yeah, <laughs> just just to figure out like it's where the next generation's going, you know. Like um, somebody was was joking, saying like when you watch kids like five to ten years ago, when people kids are watching stuff on YouTube, they were watching like sports highlights, right? Or now it's they're watching video game highlights, you know. And right. as opposed to being negative and and 
saying, oh my gosh, what are they doing? Like, how do you tap into that to create a lot of good, you know, um, because that's where the interest and there's so much behind it. It's, it's, it's an exciting thing. And it was funny because I was checking my email this morning and I, I saw like Blizzard had put like, uh, you can play like Overwatch free this weekend. And I told my son, I told my son, I'm like, let's just, let's just go figure this out. Like, let's just go play. Like we're not out anything, you know? And, uh, so we'll see, we'll see if we can find some time in there to go, you know, start to dabble in that. What a great, you know, thing too for you and your son to be able to do together. You know, it's like it, it's the new throwing the baseball, you know, with your son out back kind of thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, well, Steve, I want to be respectful of your time. You, you shared some really great things, and if and if people take nothing else out from it, if they're sitting there going, "I still don't understand VR and esports," hopefully, it's right. the message that no matter what you teach or what you do, working with kids that. You, you you constantly push those boundaries. You constantly get working and being comfortable saying, I don't know, but not stopping there and, and, and getting involved to, to learn more. Um, you know, and I think that's the, the message that, that we need to all kind of band together as educators to go. We know what, what, what works best for kids. Like our professional instinct, we have that. It's just uh, sometimes having the, the, the courage to go forth and, and, and do. Um, and we do, we talk, we talk about taking risks and being willing to fail and we don't we sometimes it becomes a little bit more of lip service but i think we really need to be willing to take risks and fail and and get back up and try something new and i mean you know i i think that's something hopefully people are starting it's funny cuz i i hope that administrators that in, that say they encourage teachers to take risks truly mean it because i think it's so valuable yeah yeah you know, and I think it just continues to be more voices of, of educators such as yourself that are constantly sharing what you do and the message that you do. And I think the more we can see more of these examples of, um, you know, that it, it is okay, I think the momentum will continue to uh, grow and develop because I think it just takes more of those those voices out there going, hey, here's here's what, I, what, what I'm trying today, you know? And um, yeah. I was just doing that even with like with some Minecraft stuff. I did like the 30-minute treehouse build challenge with my son. And I was like, oh, cool. And I was like, yeah, let's just see what happens. Like I went in with no plan. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be – I'm going to get – just raked over the coals by the Minecraft community going, that's all you built, you know? And uh, I was all excited and it wasn't that way at all. I mean, but, um, we were all excited cause we even had like, we shared it out and like the next day was, good. there was a guy from Finland, him and his uh, daughter made one. I'm like, how cool is this? Like, it's just the, that's the, awesome. the power of sharing. Right. And so, yeah. um, so, so with that, if people want to learn more about all the stuff that you're doing, where can they reach out to you? We'll make sure we get all yeah. this down in, in, the, in the show notes for people to check out. But, um, sure. Where's all your stuff at? So they definitely can always reach out to me through Twitter at at Mr. It's M-R underscore Isaacs, I-S-A-A-C-S. Um, I have a, a Pinterest board that I love to share because it's where I showcase student work. And that's uh, Pinterest.com slash Steve I-2071. Um, I'd love for people to join us uh, in the eSports EDU chat and uh and the discord server um again it's just a great place to just whether you're lurking or contributing or or getting ideas you know that's what this is all about um but yeah you could hit me up there email is fine you're welcome to put my email down there um and then i do have a blog that i'm not so great about updating (laughs) but it's games and learning one dot blogspot.com awesome yeah and i'll definitely also add a link to the mind fair in case people 
are yes, not aware please. that that exists. I mean, uh, the website's very cool, laid out. You can see what do you guys have? Is it thirteen locations that you have this year? Um, is, that, is that where it's? Well, yeah, essentially thirteen. Um, one being a Minecraft viewing, a Minecon viewing party. That's like a shorter event, but everything else is um, a full weekend. And we still have what do we still have? Six events coming up between now and the end of the year, um, including Chicago, Austin, Sacramento, Philly, D.C., and we end the year in Charleston, South Carolina. And then we'll see what 2019 brings. Jeez. It's just a few things yeah. you do in all your free time, right? <laughs> right, right, right. It's all, you know, luckily it's all stuff I love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Steve, this has been absolutely fantastic. I can't thank you enough for your time. And uh, anybody listening in, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out and check the show notes for all these links. And uh, thanks again for uh, taking some time to uh, share your story and your ideas of things happening in your classroom. Thank you, Aaron. It was great talking to you.